Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Conversations with Ilan Stavans podcast. My guest today is the controversial author of The Devil's Highway, a true story, Luis Alberto Urrea. You've made that border a part of your, your work and your life and <clears throat> the way you look at the world. Uh, you've spent a lot of time on the border on both sides. Um, and not only do you write about the undocumented or the citizens on, on Tijuana or on this side, but also about the Border Patrol. And I want you to tell me your experience, your reaction, your, your <laughs> about the Border Patrol. Well, you know, um, that, that happened because of, of researching the Devil's Highway. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I realized that I had a very good portrait of the Caminantes, you know, the guys who came from Veracruz. And I had a really good portrait of the criminal smuggling gang, the, the coyotes and polleros that brought them in. But I didn't have a good picture of the Border Patrol. And the Border Patrol was not going to easily allow itself to be investigated by me. I'm sure they looked <laughs> at me and thought, this guy, some kind of, you know, communist terrorist something. I don't know what. Um, and it took four months of, of relentless courting of the Border Patrol to finally be allowed to go talk to them. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was on enemy territory for sure at the beginning. I, I didn't know what to expect. And they didn't know what to expect of me. Either. And, uh, you know, I think it was it was it ended up being a kind of a hard one uh, detente between us in that, you know, I learned as a writer, it, it would be really smart for me to just be quiet and disappear. So I would sit in a back corner and listen to them. Yeah. And when one of those agents offered to me instead of my pursuing him he said to me you need to go there why don't I take you I thought yeah you know you had made it and so he took me out and we you know we went many 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 miles and he started to speak to me of what was on his heart as a human being not as a federal agent not as a cop just as a man out here doing this impossible job understanding that the job is impossible by its very nature Um, you know, and, and we're still friends. Um, you know, I get, I get mail still from Border Patrol people or their families, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, they send me things. They send me patches. They cut patches off their uniforms and mail them to me. And often they'll say, you know, I don't care if you're critical of us because I'm critical in the book. But they say, but you, you, you're honest about what you really thought. Mm -hmm. And you gave us a chance to speak for ourselves. And that... You know, that made it a better book. That was their gift to me, really. In, <clears throat> during the Middle Ages, when there was an Inquisition, you know, verging on the Renaissance, some uh, former Jews that had converted became the worst type of inquisitors. Yeah. I wonder if you came across Mexicans that were part of the Border Patrol sure. and were probably more proud of stopping Mexicans crossing the border than others. You know, it, it was a strange thing, but almost all of the agents I spoke to, Anglo agents, said, you know, people are scared of us, but what they're really scared of is your Chicano agent. Mm. And they said the, the most terrifying, and I don't know, you know, this is from Border Patrol agents. I didn't get to take a survey, but I believed it. They said that the one guy that they are the most terrified of is a Texan, Mexicano, yeah. Border Patrol agent, and they always look for the, the straw hats because they just give up in fear. And what do they expect from from somebody like that, less mercy. Less mercy. <laughs> to put yeah. it mildly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to put it mildly. Um, you know, and I think they, they, the people I spoke to who were coming could not understand, they couldn't comprehend the, the idea that you would go 
in their minds, go out to hunt your own. Yeah. You know, why are they hunting me? I'm a, but you know, those agents are, are, are Americans and, and politically conservative law and order guys. They're police. Yeah. So they, they don't, I don't think for the ones I spoke to, I didn't feel that they saw themselves hunting their own people. They saw people who by the nature of being in the United States had broken the law. Yeah. You know, but there is this mythology, whether it's true or not, I don't know, that they are the, the most greatly to be feared among the, the Border Patrol. The Devil's Highway is a, is a, is a wonderful book, is a hunting and, and a really a shaking book um, about a, a number of Mexicans, 26 or 28. 26. 26. It could have been 30. Nobody knows because some of them vanished without a trace. That entered the United States as undocumented and go through the Arizona desert, uh, through that patch of land that uh, that has been so hard to to colonize or to civilize. Right. What what I loved about the book is not only that you followed those those uh, migrants, but that you gave us a sense of place, a connection to the desert. Tell me about the desert and you. You know, I, I, it just has always been a kind of a, of a love affair for me. Uh, as a boy, you know, as a poor boy with nothing. I mean, I came from pretty much nothing. Um, one of the greatest miracles in my life was becoming a Boy Scout. My <laughs> dad, he hated that because it was not macho. You know, <laughs> que los Boy Scouts. What's... But the Boy Scouts took me to the desert. And my dad used to, we'd go to the desert and, you know, he would, we'd walk around in the sand. So I have from boyhood this love for that landscape. It fascinates me. And probably because I'm a mystical type too, you know, I, I, uh, I probably have a kind of a biblical response to that mm. land. Um, and uh, oddly enough, I got familiar with that desert because I went to Tucson to finish researching the hummingbird's daughter to be near the Yaquis mm -hmm. and to study that Sonoran desert. So when it came time as a kind of a distraction from trying to finish Hummingbird's Daughter to write Devil's Highway, I knew that area um, and I, I had hiked in it, you know, several times a week for quite a long time. So I, I really felt that I wanted to write a, a kind of a love song to that land because though the land is deadly and shouldn't be crossed um, for humanitarian reasons, not political reasons, yeah. I don't think, um, it's very beautiful. Yeah. You know, so I thought... If, if anything, I wanted to write the book as a nature book, because most nature books say there are human beings and then there's nature. Well, what the book is, is, is a nature book, but it's a political book, and it's, a, it's also a book that is, is in some ways a tribute to the Odyssey. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a journey from one place to another, looking for a sense of location and roots and, right. and the difficulty. Um, was it was it a book that uh, that transformed you internally as much oh, as it appears that you transform readers when when they read it? Absolutely. You know, there was there was the moment when uh, Consul Vizcarra in Tucson allowed me to enter his death archives, his mm -hmm. his, his archivo. You know, and uh, I went back there, and there were uh, uh, the shocking thing to me was that there were so many, so many people have died. Mm. This year was the worst year so far on record. Um, but so many people had died that all the shelf space was full of these archives, and they couldn't find my guys. So I sat there for quite a while while they, while they tried to find them. And then when they gave them to me, you know, to realize that each person who dies, who gets recorded, because many of them don't Never ever do. get recorded, are given this, this accordion, uh, uh, a manila folder, accordion file, 
and inside it is a, a death report, whatever, you know, autopsy report, photographs of the corpse. And then if the body had anything on it, they put it in a Ziploc sandwich baggie. Y ahí está dentro, you know, and, and when you get out the archives, the women in the, in the consulate start lighting candles. And uh, I say in the book, I thought it was some great Catholic moment, you know, but it was the smell. Mm. They were perfumed candles, and they wanted to, the, one of the women said, I sometimes have to shower two or three times, and I can't get the smell out of my hair. So when I opened the first baggie, this odor came out of the dead man. Mm. And there's, you know, a scapular with the Virgin of Guadalupe on it. You know, it's not like great things left behind. There was a, a, a comb with someone's hair in it. Um, you know, some change. Someone had, had a, a letter that was folded up and soaked with body fluid so it could no longer be read, but the letter was still there. And that's what remains. That's all that's left. Join us next time for a conversation with Cuban-American playwright Melinda Lopez. Hasta la próxima. <laughs>